0: Hello and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information including service times and directions or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Turn with me in your Bible to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Glory to God. For several weeks we've been talking about the subject of, of God's righteousness made available to the Christian, to the believer. Amen. And we remember, and you, you can uh, hold your place in the third chapter. In the first chapter, verse number 16, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, and also for the Greek or the Gentile, For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. As we pointed out, this is not a revelation that God is righteous, but a revelation of his righteousness imparted to man, because it says that this righteousness is revealed from faith and to faith. One translation said, resulting from faith and leading on to a greater faith. Can you say amen? Amen. As it is written, the righteous, that word just means righteous, the righteous shall live by faith. And then in the third chapter, we read these words in verse 21, but now the righteousness of God, notice apart from the law is revealed. That's what he was saying in chapter one, verse 17. In the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. So he goes a little bit further and explains it here. Now the righteousness of God, apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Well, what is this revelation of righteousness? Even the righteousness of God through faith, that's exactly, again, what, what the first chapter, verse 17 said, it says it's from faith and to faith. He said, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, notice, to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by his grace Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, being justified freely, being declared righteous freely. I said this when we started this this, uh, series that a revelation in your heart of the righteousness of God imparted to you is possibly the single greatest revelation you'll ever receive. You know, outside of the fact that Jesus loved us and died for our sins. I mean, there's some foundational things. But I'm talking about in your walk with God. Once you become a Christian, once you're born again and, uh, and become a child of God, in knowing who you are and what's available to you, righteousness is the foundation for it. Because we discovered that righteousness and holiness are not the same thing. That's not to uh, under... Estimate or undervalue holiness. Holiness is valuable. It's just another topic. Righteousness and holiness are not the same. Righteousness is the ability to stand in the presence of God as though sin never existed. It's the the ability to stand in the presence of God with no sense of guilt, shame, condemnation, uh, fear, Other than, you know, the reverential fear, but I'm talking about dread of God. It's the ability to stand in God's presence as a son, as a child, with a faithful, loving father. In other words, righteousness is right standing with God. Now, why is that so important? It's so important because your righteousness is what gives you your standing not only before Christ but also in this world in in dealing with everyday things in this world you know when you know you have right standing with God that you that there's nothing between you and God that he that there's no uh, cause of shame or guilt or anything like that you know that you have the ability to take any situation to the father and you know that he'll respond to you you know that you have the ability to stand in the face of the enemy. When he starts talking to you or when he brings any kind of an attack against you, you know you have the ability to stand in his face as the very righteousness of God. Amen. Take your stand and put him on the run. Amen. And so this verse talks or this passage talks about this. Let's go on reading for being then being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God set forth as a propitiation. That word propitiation just means a a, a satisfaction of a debt. For whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God, for for in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously uh, committed. Now notice verse 26 to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be righteous and the righteousness of the one who has faith in Christ. Now, there's a, there's a difficulty in, in actually translating this verse because there's not an English word for it. It says that God is demonstrating at this present time his righteousness that he might be righteous Notice that he might be just and the justifier. Well, there's no word righteousness ire. There's no English word for that that I'm aware of. He, not in one word. To demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be righteous and the one who makes others righteous. Which other one? The one who has faith in Jesus Christ. God is righteous, but he's also the one who makes righteous. If God makes you righteous, you're righteous. If God declares you righteous, then the enemy doesn't have anything to say about it. Your past doesn't have anything to say about it. Your family doesn't have anything to oh I knew I know they knew you back when when you weren't all that you are today, but that's not important. God has declared you righteous. It doesn't matter what people at work think about you or what people uh, anywhere think about you. God said you are righteous. And he he didn't just say it, he did it. He is righteous and he is the righteousness maker of the one who has faith in Christ. Most of us didn't know when we signed up for Christ. Most of us didn't know when we believed on him. I didn't. We didn't know, we just, we, we you know, we were just so overwhelmed with God's mercy and grace that he would save us and wash us from our sins and we would get to go to heaven. We were just so thrilled over that and and, and we should never lose the thrill of that. But I don't know about you, but I suspect it's true about you as it was for me. I didn't know that when I was forgiven, I was made righteous. Somehow, I've, I had the idea, well, I'm forgiven but God, and, and God is putting up with me because he loves me. And we used to say things like, well, you know, when God looks at you and me, he, you know, he doesn't look at who we are. He looks at us through the blood of Jesus as if God has to wear certain kind of glasses you know, to bear looking at us. Because we are so abhorrent and so awful and so earthly and so carnal and so beneath him that shudder that God would ever look our way. So when he does, he has to put this blinder on, not diminishing the blood of Jesus, but we just use the blood of Jesus that way. What were we talking about? We were talking about though we're forgiven, we still don't measure up. What we thought was though we're forgiven, we still don't measure up. And yes, we get to go to heaven, but only by the skin of our teeth. We'll get to go to heaven, all right. But again, uh, only by God's mercy and forbearance and, and an element of that is true. But we didn't see that we were actually put in a position of right standing with him. And he's not looking at us painfully he's not pained when he looks at us when he hears our prayers they don't grate on him amen the bible says the eyes of the lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry glory to god that there's no there's no disfiguring of his face when he hears you when he looks at you he's not like oh there's he there he is again No, his eyes are on you because they wanna be. His ears are open because he wants his ears to be open. He is attentive because he loves you. He has put you in a position where he can receive you openly. Oh, glory to God. It's powerful. It is powerful. Oh, hallelujah. We found out from the fifth chapter of Romans. Go over there. Romans chapter five. I'm just kind of circling the wagons here for a minute before we get started. Romans chapter five, verse 17. For if by one man's offense, that's talking about, of course, Adam, what he did. He sold the human race out by his transgression. Says, for if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one. That's talking about primarily spiritual death. For if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, that one, Adam, much more. I tell you what, if you just go through the New Testament and, and make note of every time the Bible says much more, I tell you what, you'll run around the room. You'll run around the room. You'll, you'll run faster than Dan Jet. I mean you'll run around the room. Amen. Much more. Much more. Much more. Think about how much death reigned. Think about how much sin has reigned in the human family down through the ages. Think about the reign of death, how all-encompassing it was and has been, how how uh, 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 no one could overcome the reign of death. It took everyone captive and held everyone in absolute bondage, but much more, much more than that, much more than how much death reigned. Those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Notice, first of all, it's the gift of righteousness. It's not the reward of righteousness. It's a gift. God has gifted us with, a, with right standing before him. We have the right to come into his presence anytime. Now, it doesn't matter whether you feel like it. Even when you don't feel like it, you still have access. You still have the right to come before the, the, the God of the universe in a face-to-face, one-on-one uh, situation every single time, regardless of how you feel. Amen. Amen. Even regardless of how you act. I didn't get as many amens. Even regardless of how you act. Even regardless of what you've done. Doesn't Hebrews say, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain what? Mercy. mercy. Why would you need mercy? You only need mercy when you need mercy. You only need mercy when you've done something that, that, you, that requires mercy. Isn't that right? You, you would need mercy if, if, if there was no sin in your life. But when you do wrong, when you need mercy, you can still come boldly. Before the throne of grace. You don't come boldly before the throne of grace if you're under the blighting curse of condemnation, tongue-tied in the presence of God, with your head hanging down, ashamed, feeling like he doesn't have time for you and he can't stand your presence. That's not coming boldly before the throne of grace. What does it mean to come boldly before the throne of grace? Grace, it means to square your shoulder and come in with confidence. Glory to God. Because even when you've missed it, there's mercy. Even when you've made a mistake and have done something you shouldn't have done, you can come boldly before the throne of grace. Why? Because He gave you standing before His throne. You have standing, you have status. Say, I have status? Yes, you have status. What is your status? Your status is that of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's your status. I said, that's your your status before the throne of grace is the very status of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we're in him. We were baptized when we were born again. We were baptized or immersed or, 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 or placed into Christ. We were seated with him at the right hand of the Father. Amen. And we are heirs of everything he's an heir to. We are joint heirs with Christ. None of that changes. I said none of that changes just because you miss God, make a mistake or sin, that doesn't change your status. Your status is still the status of a son. Your status is still the status of the son. Now we understand, don't get confused. I'm not saying we are the Lord Jesus. I'm not saying that. But the Bible says we are the body of Christ and we have the same status before the Father in terms of our standing before him, we can come to him just as boldly as the Lord Jesus can. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. And to obtain mercy, find help in time of need. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. Let's, let's go back to the third chapter of Romans if we can glean a little bit more here. Romans three again. There's a few other verses I think I wanna look at. Hallelujah. Look at verse 27 then. Where is boasting then? (laughs) See, the, the, the Jews under the old covenant, they had a superiority complex because they had received the law of God and none of the other Gentile nations on the earth had been so blessed to be singled out as God's chosen people. To whom did God ever give any other law than to the nation of Israel? So they felt like they were somebody. They felt like they were uh, uh, better than other people. They looked down their long bony nose at other people and said, Well, I'm glad we're not like the other people. Paul said, Here, where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No. By the law of faith. See, you don't get this by works. And if you didn't get it by works, then you have nothing to boast about. If you don't, if you don't get this righteousness as a result of your behavior, if you get it as a gift, you have nothing to boast about. Isn't that Right? He said, where is boasting? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No, by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude. Are you ready to conclude? Therefore, we conclude that a man is made righteous by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's good news, church. That's good news. You see, God... God wanted, when God created Adam in the beginning, God had robots, so to speak. All of the angelic hosts, all of the seraphim and the cherubim and all of the uh, 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 created beings of heaven. God God didn't want another class like the angels. The angels serve God. And they're powerful. We, we v- very little appreciate how powerful and awesome angelic creatures really are in the spirit realm. They're powerful. And the Bible says that they are attentive to the word of the Lord to go about and cause his word to come to pass wherever they have the authority to do it. It's another topic. God had all of, of, of creation like that. God wanted sons. He wanted a family. God wanted a creation who would have a free will to do whatever they wanted to do and would will to be in his presence. Who would have the will to, to fellowship with him. Not just obey him, but fellowship with him. He wanted a family. And that's why he created Adam and Eve, male and female. He created them in righteousness, in right standing with him. No past, no consciousness of sin or failure. And he gave them the privilege of of, uh, 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 producing a race of people just like them. Righteous, perfect whose hearts were, were, were always open to him and who had the choice to do otherwise, but, but whom, who would cho- choose to fellowship with him. That's what God wanted. Well, we know what happened. We know that sin entered in and ruined that plan temporarily. God sent his own begotten son, hallelujah, into the earth to become one of us so that he could take us out from under this, this curse of sin and death and deliver us once again, back, the human race, back to the condition that he started with. And you see, that's the Bible calls Jesus the last Adam. Amen. Glory to God. There, there's a new race, so to speak, that come from Christ. You and I were born in this natural world and, and we were born of earthly parents and we partake of the race, the human race. We're all, we're all descended from Adam. We all have perhaps different races and nationalities and all of those things. But you see, when a person uh, is born again, he, he's not born again an American or a Caucasian Or an African, or or or, uh, uh, a Republican, he's born again, a child of God. That's our identity. Our identity is Christ. It's foolish. It's it's beyond foolish. To be hung up in this earth, in this world, over things that are so transient and have nothing to do, I'm talking about with the way we relate to one another, have nothing to do with who we really are. When you were born again, you became a brand new person in Christ. One translation of of, of 2 Corinthians five seventeen: if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. One translation said he is the work of a new creation, a brand new species of being. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. That's who we are. God created this new creation family to have fellowship. Glory to God. Well, see, God God doesn't just want servants. He wants sons. Now, that doesn't mean sons don't serve. But they serve from a different perspective. In terms of just a servant who just blindly serves, and, that, and blindly is not the right way to say it, but who just serves from strictly from a position of obedience. Like I said, he already has heaven, the heavenly host who do that. They serve him. And the and the marvel of it all is that he has this race of. Humans who are sons, who in the natural, we don't have anything to give him. I mean, really, all of our service, when you think of the things we do, there's there's really not a lot you have to offer God. Isn't that right? I mean, you're you. And God's God. What does he need? But he does need one thing. He does need one thing. He needs, because of the covenant that he made with mankind when he put Adam in the earth, he needs those of us of this new covenant. He needs us to, and this, we're, we're new creation people, he needs us to properly re- represent, uh, represent him to the rest of humanity. See, there are things, I talked about how powerful angels are. Angels are very, very powerful. But they are limited in what they can do in the earth because they're not men. God gave this planet to men. He didn't give it to angels. He did not say at any time to the angels, you are my son, this day have I created you. He never said that to the angels. He said that to Adam. He said that to Jesus. He says that to us. We are his children in the earth and angels are waiting on us. They have all the power. They don't have the right to use it here unless we give them the authority to do it. We, this is a, off my topic, but I'll go ahead and, and, and just uh, you know, delve into a little bit. We don't really appreciate the fact that we all have angels. Do you know you have an angel? Do you ever think of it? When's the last time, before just now, that you thought about your angel. You see, Jesus talked about the little children. He said, Their angels do always behold the face of God. Their angels. Well, if you, we have, we've seen those little paintings, you know, of children walking across a little bridge and a little footbridge and there's an angel. Well, you know, we think about children having a guardian angel, but we don't lose our angels just because we grow up. Dear Lord, if anything, we need Him more when we're older than we do when we're younger. We all have an angel that's assigned. Angel or angels assigned to us. I'm talking about to you individually. There are angels who are assigned to you and they're waiting on you to say the right thing so you can release them to work. Amen. He'd go over to Hebrews. Go over to Hebrews. Look at the uh, first chapter of Hebrews. Verse 13. But to which of the angels did he ever say, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Verse 14. Hebrews 1 14. Are they not all? How many? are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? Well, who could that be? That's us. Notice angels are ministering spirits and they've been sent to minister for us. Not not just to us. It doesn't say they're sent to minister to us. It says they're they're sent to minister for us. For us. Angels have been sent to serve you. All of you young people, you all have angels that have been sent to serve you in this life. Not, Not help you get televisions and new tablets and devices. That's not what they're here to do. They're here to serve you in your work for God they're here to serve you in the things that that you need to 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 be effective in this life as a child of God they're here to serve you to minister for you oh glory to God well praise the Lord it's true amen so God needed God wanted sons why because he 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 desires fellowship God desires fellowship. Not just relationship, but fellowship. God doesn't really have fellowship with the angels the way he can have fellowship with us because their status is different. They are only servants. They are not sons. We're sons of God, children of God. Oh, hallelujah. How many, how many I wouldn't want you to raise your hands because, you know, I don't want you to 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 focus on on you, but you know, you hear people talk about their relationship with their parents when they're grown. I've I have counseled numbers and numbers of people, many people over the year over the years, who've struggled because of the way they were raised. Their parents were were cruel or unloving or or something and, and, and it affected them as adults. I'm, I'm very grateful that my, my two parents were very loving and very nurturing. But uh, a lot of people don't have that advantage. And you think about someone who's who, a child who's, let's say, for instance, your father. If your father was cruel or if he was always angry at you. And you never felt like anytime you came around him, you're always checking yourself. You know, what's he gonna say? What's he gonna do? What did I do you know, to, to make him mad? Well, if you have that kind of relationship, you don't have real fellowship with your father. Because you're ducking, you don't know what he's gonna do next. Most Christians, without, without actually identifying it that way, most Christians, that's how they relate to God the Father. They feel like, you know just when they get in, you know I don't want to get too close to God because you know he's God and I'm wicked old me and and then the church has said well you know God will do this to you he'll strike you down you know he'll kill your kids you know, somebody has an accident and they lose their child and, and p- church people get around and say well God needed a little he needed another little angel in heaven he needed another flower in his garden in heaven that's that's sickening that's sickening and so people think, well, God, you know, is so cruel and hard. Well, you can't fellowship like that. So God wanted a family that He could fellowship. Well, well, what stood in the way of that? What stood in the way of his fellowship? Sin. What else? Huh? What else stood in the way of it? The consciousness of sin. Sin consciousness. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 10. What, what is what is sin consciousness? Sin consciousness is the, is the conscience, when people have a, a sin conscience, sin consciousness, they, they have a consciousness of not measuring up, not being pleasing to God, not being, what God really wants. Something less than, than, far less usually than God's ideal. Well, that God didn't intend for us to stay that way. Are you in the 10th chapter of Hebrews? Hebrews chapter 10. Let's look at verse number 11. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. He's talking about the old old covenant priest, the priest of the Old Testament. He said, every one of them stand ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. But this man, Christ, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting... Till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, notice, are you paying attention? For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are sanctified, those who are saved. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, oh, glory! Well, before we go further, i tell you what, let's go ahead and read down through the 17th verse. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them in those days, says the Lord. I will put my law into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. God doesn't remember your sins. Once once you're born again, your whole past life evaporated, it vanished. Everything you were, everything you did just just vaporized, gone. And then after you're a Christian, when you do sin and you confess that sin, the Bible says He's faithful and just to forgive. Well if He forgives, it says here He doesn't remember. We do we do ourselves a great disservice when we keep reminding God of our past failures. We do ourselves a tremendous disfavor and it's really an insult to God's grace because he has declared that he will not remember it and you keep reminding him. (laughs) Hallelujah. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. What does that mean he has perfected? What does that mean? Does that mean that, that you're uh, uh, perfect in the sense that you never make a mistake and you never get tripped up? Well, we know that couldn't be true. Just look at yourself. You don't have to look at anybody else. Just check your own life out. You still You still mess up, don't you? But it says here, for one offering, he has by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. So this can't be talking about uh, perfection in the sense that that you know once, once it happens, you, you you never miss it again. Well, what's he mean by that? Well, go back to the ninth chapter, verse number eleven. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come. With the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. Not with the blood of goats and calves, Old Testament sacrifices. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He obtained eternal redemption. For if, verse 13 says, if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh. He's saying if the Old Testament sacrifices bulls, goats, heifers and so forth and their sprinkling sanctified for the purifying of the flesh How much more? This is another one of those how much mores. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience? See, nothing happens automatically in the plan of redemption, everything God has done in the plan of redemption has to be mixed with faith on our part. A person cannot be saved unless they mix faith with the plan of redemption. Isn't that right? Even though it's all provided. Jesus doesn't go to the cross every day for for today's sinners. No, one sacrifice forever. Settled all of it. But people are still dying and leaving this planet lost and they go to hell every day. Millions of people, I suppose, go to hell every day. Why? They didn't mix faith. They just refused to believe. And if you don't mix faith in any of the plan of redemption, it, even though it's true, it won't be true in your life. Others, others, Christians, believe on him to be born again. But there are other provisions. We have an inheritance. That covers everything in this life, not just spiritually, but, but physically, health, yeah. dominion, excuse me, dominion and authority in this life, prosperity, well-being, ruling and reigning as, as kings in this, all of our inheritance, most Christians don't even know anything about their inheritance and you can't mix faith with it if you don't know about it so it doesn't fall on people like ripe cherries off a tree. People don't just automatically walk in these things because you you, you, you have to mix faith. Faith comes by hearing. If you haven't heard, you don't have any faith to mix because you don't even know what you'd be mixing it with. Yeah. So again, a lot of Christians have faith in the blood of Christ To forgive them and they believe they're forgiven, but they still are under this curse, this this blight of of feeling uh, disenfranchised in God's presence because they just keep looking at, you know, the mistakes they make and they say, surely, you know, God is righteous and I'm not. What are they doing? They're not mixing faith with the other part of the cleansing. One part is to cleanse us from sin. The other part or action of the blood is to cleanse us from the consciousness. Did you read that? Let's go back and look at it. Verse number 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. Cleanse your conscience. Cleanse your conscience. Cleanse your conscience. You see, it's sin. Sin consciousness is dominant in the church. Shouldn't be, but it is. Sin consciousness, unworthiness consciousness Failure consciousness, not measuring up consciousness, is dominant in the church. Most Christians are ruled by a sense that that in the final analysis they may make it into heaven if they just we used to hear people, you know, testify in meetings. they had to give a good testimony and then they close it out in the churches I raised in, they close it out. Pray for me that I'll hold out faithful to the end. Y'all pray for me that I'll make it in the end, that I the last, and somehow in the end I'll slip in by God's grace why they say that? Because they're so afraid that their conduct is gonna disqualify them, that they're gonna lose their salvation and not make heaven. Many times because of the standards that were imposed upon them. They're not even in the Bible, but that's another topic. <laughs> Sin consciousness. God, the Lord Jesus Christ, shed his blood to wash you from sin, but to also wash your consciousness of sin. That unworthiness consciousness. Well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, you were a sinner, but then you got saved by grace. Now you're a son, not a sinner. I said the other day, I think one of the other meetings, I said, you know, I have some carpentry tools, a few tools, but nobody would call me a carpenter. If you ever seen anything I built? Nobody would say Edwin Anderson's a carpenter. I I can paint. I have a paintbrush. I have a couple of rollers, but I'm not a painter. Angela says, you sure aren't. I might sin every now and then. I'm not a sinner. I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. I might miss it every now and then, but that's not who I am. That's not who I am. That's not the way God looks at me. He doesn't look at me as an old miserable sinner that he just has to look at me through those you know, colored glasses. Amen. Uh, oh, glory to God. Amen. Now the devil will use your unrenewed mind and religious tradition to try to put you and keep you under the curse of condemnation and dead works. You see, as long as you're under condemnation, as long as you don't feel like you measure up, then what do you do to try to overcome that? You try to do more stuff. Oh, I just gotta read my Bible more. That's what's wrong. And you start reading the Bible and then while you're reading the Bible you think, This is is cutting into my prayer time. I've got to pray more. So you put your Bible down and you start praying. And then while you're praying, you think, No, the key is I need to praise God. The preacher said I'm not praising God enough. So I need to pray. So you let me put my prayer aside, and my Bible's over here, and my prayer's like, now I've got to praise God. You see, always trying to do more. Now, is is reading your Bible important? Absolutely, it is. Is prayer important? Absolutely it is. Is praising God important? Absolutely. Is witnessing to other people about Christ, is that important? Absolutely. Is giving a good thing? Does God want you to give? He sure does. Does he want you to serve in the church? Yes. But if the devil keeps, if you don't, if your conscience, if you don't allow the blood of Jesus to cleanse your conscience, you will be on this treadmill of always trying to catch up I got to read more, study more, pray more, witness more, give more, get out there and pull more weeds. I got to do. Th- <laughs> it's, and, and if you stay on that treadmill, there's never enough. There's never enough you can do. Notice cleanse your conscience, what? From dead works. Now listen, to serve, are you in verse 14? To cleanse your conscience from dead works so that you don't have to do anything. So that you can just sit back and just think, well, woo I can just eat, drink, and be merry. I could just have more. I just have all the blessings of God and I don't need to know that you would be free from dead works to serve. See, I don't serve because I'm trying to measure up. I don't serve because I'm trying to prove something to God. I don't serve to make myself worthy. I serve because of fellowship. Because the blood of Jesus has cleansed my conscience from sin and unworthiness. And I can come into his presence. And out of that fellowship flows good works. Out of that fellowship flows serving God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go with me to, uh, to Ephesians. We looked at this, but it bears, think about that scripture bears repeating. Can you imagine? Get more out of a verse of scripture. It's a little joke. Evidently, very little joke. <laughs> Ephesians 2.10. Verse number eight, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Everybody knows, I mean, all Christians know this verse. And it's it's almost a law to them. (laughs) For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. What is the gift of God? Salvation. Salvation is not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship. We are His handiwork. We are His masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, God has already prepared for you the good works. You don't have to prepare them yourself. If you just let the word of God wash your consciousness of all this unworthiness, all of this, all of this distraction. Of sin, sin consciousness, and just recognize the fact that God created you perfect in His sight. You don't lack anything. You don't need polishing up. You don't need to have you know. uh, 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 You you, you don't have to be brought up to a higher. You you know, there's not a. uh, No, what's the what's computers? We always get updates. You don't need an update. You don't get born again and then you have to have an update in order to stay up in God. No, you're, you're up to date. You have your conscience washed from that from that sin consciousness, then you can enjoy fellowship with God and out of that fellowship, he has prepared good works for you. For you. For you, for me. Might not be the same, God has prepared good works for you that you simply walk in them. What does that mean? They're right there in front of you. When you're in fellowship with God, you're fellowshipping with him. You get off of that. Get off of that treadmill of trying to measure up and just stay in fellowship with the Lord. He will witness to your spirit. Here, do this for me. Do that for me. Serve here. Give this do this, do that. When you do that, you just simply walk in those things. Oh, hallelujah. The psalmist said in his commandments are not grievous. His commandments, his, his instructions are not something that's that's binding. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's close out today. I, I've, I've actually gone past this in my notes. And so I'm gonna have to come back sort of in in my you know in my message, but it's just such a good scripture. I hate to leave it out. Some will back up just so I can read this scripture. It's that good. I just cannot leave this in my notes. Colossians first chapter verse number twelve Colossians 112 <laughs> Oh hallelujah! I tell you what—you got your shouting shoes on. If you—if not, you better you better slip those old those old shoes of sadness. I'm just trying to come up with something here. You need to slip off all of those old sorrowful shoes and those old religious shoes, yeah. distracted shoes. You need to put slip on your your running shoes, your shouting shoes. Giving thanks to the Father. Notice it's not giving thanks just to God. He is God of overall creation, but he's our Father. Glory to God. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. You don't qualify yourself. It says, We give thanks to the Father who has, past tense, already qualified you. He's already qualified you. You're qualified. See, that's the big rub. People don't feel like they're qualified for God to answer their prayer. I just know if I go to the Lord and pray, you know, I, I'm just not qualified, you know, to, to God, for God to really move in my life because I have this list of, uh, of mistakes and these things that I, these dumb things I keep doing over and over again. And so, you know, God won't answer my prayer because I'm not qualified. He qualified you. Yes. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. You're qualified not by works but by his grace. He qualified you to what? For what? To be and receive and operate in the inheritance. Yeah. Amen. All of it. All of it. You're qualified for all of it. The full inheritance of the saints. What what would that mean? That means everything that belongs to us. Everything belongs to anybody. Everything belongs to the body of Christ in, its, in every detail, every aspect of it, every, every line, every subsection, all of it. You're qualified to partake every detail. Oh, glory. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. You think righteousness is important? Yes, yes. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, last week at the close of my message, I said I'd I'd talk about uh, uh, what about sin in the life of the believer. Well, I just didn't get to it. So next time or the next time, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Amen. But you need to understand that God has put you in a position. You have a position before God that is one of right standing, qualification, worthiness. You're in that position. Not because of what you did, but because of what Jesus did and God the Father made real in your life. He just did it. He just did it. (laughs) Even you. Even old squirrely you. Even old goofed up you even old big old mess up, flesh ball, you. Yeah, yeah you, you. Yeah, he did it for you. Yes, he did. Well, maybe he wasn't really thinking very clearly when he did it for him. No, <laughs> he, he knew exactly what he was doing. He didn't slip up. He didn't go, whoop, I let that one through. <laughs> Whoa, that wasn't a good idea. No, you, yeah, yeah. he made it, he made you this way. You well, hallelujah. Amen. Oh my how liberating. How liberating this is. Oh, glory to God. How liberating to know that it's on it's on the basis of what he did. And the devil cannot interfere with that. There's nothing he can do. Oh, glory. Well, let's stand up. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Yeah, oh, you. (laughs) Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. You're so good to us, Lord. We're so grateful. We're so grateful. We're so grateful for your gift of right standing. You've placed us in right standing with you. You created us in Christ Jesus, your own very handiwork, and you created us for the good things that you have in store for us, the fruit that you want us to bear for you, so that others can come and 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 know. Oh, hallelujah! Let me let me just say something to you. Our works, our works are not just the things that He has for you to do. They're not just so that you can serve God. They're not just so that you'll have something to do. And you, you know, He'll assign you a task. And He's just watching to see if you, if you fulfilled that task. And the satisfaction of God is just knowing that you fulfilled the task. You did what He asked you to do. That's not what it's about. All of our good works are things that bear fruit for God. You think about everything that he will have you to do as a Christian in the end, like we say sometimes, at the end of the day is to bless other people and to bring other people to Christ.